Welcome back to another episode of Too Many Men, episode 170. No, this is not Tony Pekinich doing the intro. It's Eric Johnson doing the intro. Tony, Trish, Zach, all in Florida. So it's a two-man group. John is back for the first time in what feels like weeks, probably since the Yankee game. Yeah, uh, honestly, it's been a minute. And we got a couple bits of information. We're, we're going to be doing play-in because there was some hits of the play-in and there were some definite misses looking at you indiana and charlotte um because that was who we'll get to that um starting off with a couple news um dodgers and padres 100 percent capacity now in california uh a, a day i never thought i'd see <laughs> where the dodgers are getting full crowds which means there's full crowds for the astro series i can't wait to see that it's going to be bedlam. You thought it was bad at Yankee Stadium. It's going to be worse at Dodger Stadium. There were signs at Dodger Stadium during the season last year in the parking lot. They weren't even in the stadium. It is going to be brutal uh, late June when the Astros come to town. I'm ready to see that. Also, give me Dodgers in this week. Yeah, yeah that is must-watch TV if it's anything like the Yankees game. And it definitely will be everything that you just said. So, let's go. Uh, Cardinals also announced 100%. We're getting there. We are getting there. We are back. Um, Rays traded Willie Adamas to the Brewers for two relievers. It's, from what I've read, it's another Rays fleecing. Um, and Pete Alonso's going to the 10-day DL because of course he is. Yep. So what is that? Uh, like I, I think I saw an article saying that's seven of nine of our opening day starters. Beautiful. Beautiful. And the, and the ones that aren't are Lindor, Dom Smith, and James McCann who are hitting for a combined average of like 200. Love to see. <laughs> um, also wanted to talk about no-hitter Palooza because apparently uh, six no-hitters have happened so far in baseball. Uh, Cleveland, Texas, and Seattle have each been no-hit twice since we've recorded Too Many Men. Spencer Turnbull has no-hit the Mariners, and Corey Kluber's no-hit the Texas Rangers. Everybody's saying there's a baseball hitting problem. I disagree. I think it's a Cleveland, Texas, and Seattle problem. <laughs> You can't hit. You cannot hit. Seattle as a team is hitting 199 this year. It's pitiful. The Rangers did not look competitive against Corey Kluber. And at least Cleveland's starting to turn it together. Hi, Emmett Rosario. How you doing? Hi. Nice to see you. Uh, but they're finally looking like a, a legitimate team, especially with the White Sox downturn recently. Because Tony La Russa apparently uh, – He's still stuck in the 1980s. Uh, uh, let's talk about that just for a br- touch on that for a brief moment. Yeah. That underrated rules car- it bullshit is just, it's the most frustrating thing. Like I'm like personally, you know, I root for my Mets as always, but I'm not too like much of a, you know, avid watcher of baseball, but that, that type of stuff, it just, it angers me. You know, it takes, it makes people not want to watch the game when you see people like that try and be like, well, back in my day, the game was better. Like, you know, trying to be purist about it, you know? Like, the game's changing. Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> Tony LaRusso, suck it up and deal with it. Uh, yeah, so in case you haven't heard, in case you've been living under the NBA play in rock recently, um, Tony LaRusso got upset because your mean Mercedes hit a three-run home run off Williams ass studio, a non-pitcher, by the way, who was throwing like 50 miles an hour, throwing like me when I played, uh, right down the middle of the plate, and he crushed it to deep center. 
Uh, Tony La Russa said Mercedes must apologize or he will face consequences. Mercedes did not saying, quote, I will not apologize. I'm the urinator, pretty much. <laughs> Which, hell of a flex. And then LaRusso said, okay, he's going to get consequences, which we still don't know what they are. We haven't heard anything. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a miracle that team is in first place with that man running them. Yeah. They were a couple days ago, they had the best record in baseball. Yeah. I mean, and now that- Boston's looking like the team right now because Boston's on a hot streak. Yeah. So, wait, so who uh, overtook them for best record? I missed that. It was Boston and San Francisco. Right now, San Francisco looks really, really good. Um, So anyway, next day happens, and Tyler Duffy of the Twins uh, throws behind your Mercedes, trying to hit him, and La Russa pretty much came out and said, I understand why he did it. And there's the problem. You're openly saying hitters, or your hitters on your team are allowed to be hit because of something that they did, because of an unwritten rule. That's where my problem comes in. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's like a, it's just a relic from a time when, you know, like ty- like the times have changed. I just think that he really does need to, he needs to take a moment and accept that. You know, unwritten rules are a relic of olden baseball, and they should stay like that. So anyway, story continues into the next day. Lance Lynn comes out and says, I don't agree. Lance Lynn, the White Sox big acquisition of the offseason, comes and says, I don't agree with it. And LaRussa pretty much says, he has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree with it. So now there's turmoil in the White Sox clubhouse. And I'm telling you, John, and I'm telling you, everybody that's listening to this episode, the White Sox are probably going to be going on a losing streak in a little bit. I see it coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. And all fingers are going to be pointed towards Tony LaRussa. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any other way how this could manifest. I mean, it just seems like, I mean, like if this is like, you know, how to lose a, ro- a locker room 101, I mean, with, with everything that he's done, it's crazy. It was a rough hire from the beginning. I really didn't agree with it. I'm a fan of La Russa too. I think La is a living legend, but 76 years old, and that team is young. That is a young White Sox team. I don't get the move. I think they should have gone younger. But it would shock me if La Russa, unless there's a world championship, unless the White Sox win the World Series, because they have the talent to. I can't see how he lasts past this season. I just don't. He might resign. I mean, it might just be, you know, a good idea. Like you said, a young team, it's probably good to skew a little bit younger in that next manager, just someone who can relate to the team, the clubhouse a little bit more. Tyler Duffy, by the way, the pitcher who threw at your main Mercedes, suspended three games for the incident. Oh, wow. Let's talk NBA playing. And then we'll do a little bit of a playoff preview. Yeah. Should we go game by game here? Like, or like from Tuesday night? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's start with Tuesday night and the yawn fest that started Tuesday night, which was the Hornets taking on the Indiana Pacers in Indiana. Uh, I was stunned by this. Yeah. Uh, you can call it an upset in every sense of the word because I was upset personally by the outcome. I, what I really wanted Charlotte to win that game. And I just was stunned that Charlotte, that uh, me, Indiana pulled that off when they had announced that Levert was going to be missing that game because of the health and safety protocol. Yeah, that happened very quickly. That happened not long after we recorded the last episode. They're like, oh, man, you know, Karis Levert's out. I'm pulling up the score sheet right now. 
Uh, O'Shea Brissett, 23 points for the Pacers. Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott had 21 points. DeMontis Sabonis, the star of the show, 14 points and 21 rebounds. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 16. TJ McConnell, 17. And Indiana obliterated Charlotte. In the words of Tony, who's not here, uh, the Charlotte Hornets got absolutely shit rocked. They got shit rocked. No other way to pass it. Uh, for Charlotte, let's see. Miles Bridges, 23 points. Cody Zeller, 17. Didn't even know he was still on the team. Uh, to- Terry Rozier, 16. LaMelo Ball, 14. And Malik Monk, 13. Uh, no other Charlotte Hornet had double-digit point scoring totals. Very disappointing, but Charlotte's a young team. I get it. I was looking forward to seeing the Hornets in the playoffs, and I'm slightly disappointed that it didn't happen. I, I really feel like that, like, you know, they could have held on to get the eighth seed. That Sixers, Hornets series, you know, Lamelo's as an up and coming star. It's been fun to watch, but they couldn't hold up there under the bargain, you know, without a. I guess that, you know, the loss of Hayward was a little bit too much for them to overcome. So now you probably know this. I'm not. Um, the losing teams of these planes, so Charlotte, we'll get to the other losing a little bit. Do they have, are they in the draft lottery? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, th- I there thought was so. a little bit, there was a little confusion there. I, for myself, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, like, uh, are these teams, you know, kind of screwed? Are they just like playing and trying to like go into the play in for nothing? Cause I mean, I would personally prefer a lottery pick than just, you know, like a loss in this play in round for what that, you know I mean? Especially least, with this year's class, you know? Yeah. Very deep class. Yeah. So it's a class highlighted by Kate Cunningham, the Jalen's, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, uh, Scotty Barnes, a whole, str- Evan Mobley, a strong group leading this class. I'd love to see a team like Charlotte make that jump because they could, you know, there's a couple pieces they could use. I really like Evan Mobley there, but I don't, again, I just don't see that jump happening based on the lottery odds. Although it's a lot easier than it has been in recent years to win the lottery. Let's mm-hmm. go over to, um, do you have something to say? Yeah. Uh, yes. You never know what the lottery, I mean, you saw new Orleans jump the way they did just to get Zion Williamson two years ago. So. Oh, I heard the pain in your voice when you said that I heard the pain. Oh, it's okay. that was, we got, uh, it's okay. We have Randall. <laughs> we have resilience with Julius Randall with half. So you, you sleep, you sleep comfortably at night. knowing you have Julius Randall and not Zion Williams and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to John, by the way, who's going to game two of Knicks Hawks. Oh, throw that in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got tickets, uh, 7.30 Wednesday night. I'm going to be there. And uh, let's hope the Garden's loud. I know they sold out both nights, you know, the first two games. Meanwhile, uh, our rivals, you know, across the bridge, they're uh, struggling to sell them even with 50% off discounts. So. I was just going to say this. If any Brooklyn Nets fans are listening right now, use the code HARDEN and get half off your playoff tickets against the Boston Celtics. Half off. So do you can't miss if you root for Brooklyn. Or just, you know, get, flash your vaccine. But I hear that's the thing, too. You know, they, they really need to get those seats filled, guys. So, you know, whatever flash, you do. Flash your card. It's, it's, a, it's a tough scene right now in Brooklyn as far as tickets go. Maybe not record, but as far as tickets, it's a little tricky. And who's Brooklyn playing in game one or the first round? The Boston Celtics, who defeated yeah. the Washington Wizards 118-100 in the play-in tournament. And all three of us, to start the sh- – start. 
Oh for two. Yeah. <laughs> we are off to a rough start because we all picked Charlotte and we all picked Washington. That, um, that was yeah. uh, unexpected for sure. I mean, I think like, you know, start off that game, the first half was very close, but then, you know, the third quarter starts and Boston, Tatum, Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker just pulled away and they just, Washington could just never got that energy to, you know, with the run. Russ never had it that night and yeah, tough scene. <laughs> Tough scene. <laughs> That's how we're calling, we're calling it a tough scene. So let me just say this. Brooklyn, Jason Tatum is coming for you. He is taking no prisoners. He is ready. He dropped 50 against Washington. So people are like, oh, Jason Tatum can't play in the clutch. He can play at the clutch just fine. You know, Tatum's becoming one of my favorite players in the sport. I love him. Uh, I wish the Sixers took him at number one over Markel Fultz. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Um, other good performances, you said Kemba Walker, 29. Um, Tristan Thompson, 12 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, forgot he was starting center. Uh, Luke Cornett was in this game, huh? Looked at the score sheet. Wasn't Luke Cornett next legend? Nick, listen, we stand the unicorn, okay? <laughs> and, of course, Washington was the Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook show. 22 points for Beal, uh, 20 points for Westbrook, 14 rebounds. He had a double-double. Um, Westbrook, by the way, did set the record for most triple doubles in NBA history, breaking Oscar Robertson's record. If you're breaking Oscar Robertson's record, you're having a pretty damn good career. Yeah. Well, let me just say this about Russ, though. Yeah. Look, you got, I don't think you could talk about his game, that, that, you know, that loss against the Celtics, without looking at his, you know, his shooting percentages. Yeah. And they were not good. It was, it was not a good day for Russ. That game, just like, uh, you know, right out the gate, they just looked like they didn't really have the energy that, you know, you expect of a team that's, you know, it's win and you're in, or uh, win and you're the seventh seed, you know, and the chance to play Brooklyn. I thought Russ would have came out a little bit more energized for that, but, you know, you never know. Like, like I think in the broadcast, they were even saying, Marv Albert was saying that, you know, he didn't look right. Like, he could, maybe was ill or something like that. But, I mean, regardless, he did bounce back yesterday, so. He did, and you know what? I'll actually talk about that game first before we get to the West and the game that everybody really wants us to talk about in the West. Trust me, we'll get there. Uh, Wizards versus Pacers. Pacers coming off the win against the Charlotte Hornets. Wizards coming off the loss against Boston Celtics. And I'm telling you, this was all Washington. Another blowout. 142 to 115, led by a 48-point third quarter for Washington uh, Westbrook rebounded, you said, 18 points, 15 assists, 8 rebounds, 25 points for Bradley Beal, 18 points for Rui Hachimura. Uh, overall, solid night for the Wizards. Malcolm Brogdon at 24 for Indiana. Uh, Triple-double for Sabonis. Um, yeah, Indiana's in a weird spot. You know, we talked about them over the win against the Hornets. Is this Nate Bjorkren's final game coaching the Pacers? I, I think it's the matter of time. The writing – is on the wall for him. And, I mean, you look at Indiana's performance on Tuesday against Charlotte. They scored 144. They won that by 27 points. And then they allowed nearly as many points, like 142 to the Wizards, and lost by that exact same margin two days later. And if that's not the most, you know, 2021 Pacers thing in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Because that was, you know, how flip-flop, flop, uh, how much they flip-flopped throughout the season. The Pacers were the weirdest team of 2021 by far in the NBA because you have, like you said, you had the ups, you had the downs. 
The Indiana Pacers fired Nate McMillan because he couldn't get over the playoff hump. And I said this on Too Many Men back in October. It was an embarrassing series against the Miami Heat. That was embarrassing. They weren't even competitive for that whole series. Didn't even try. They were absolutely stumped. I feel like they got caught up in the the hype of those, you know, two, right, like, uh, bubble matchups they had with TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler because of that, you know, prior, you know, uh, you know, discrepancy that they had had with each other. So, yeah, we'll get, to Jimmy, we'll get to Jimmy Butler, too. Um, but it, it was rough. It was a rough series, and everybody was saying that Nate McMillan should have been fired, myself included. Um, and he ended up getting fired, going to Atlanta, and the Hawks are the fifth seed in the East. Bet you Indiana's really regretting that now. You think – so now, like, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you think we kind of scapegoated McMillan to a point, or is that roster have problems beyond, uh, you know, the coaching? Well, we also have to remember how different the roster is from last season to this one. Mm-hmm. Your top guy in Oladipo, gone. In comes Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert was dealing with a number of injuries throughout the year. You know, of course, he had the mass on his kidney – and then he was out for the play-in tournament. So mm-hmm. it's tough in Indiana. But if reports are saying that Nate Bjorkman has lost the locker room, it might be beneficial for him to move elsewhere. Yeah, I think a, part, I think a parting of ways at this point, you know, like after all those stories coming out, you know, uh, for, for anyone who's not aware, you know, uh, there is this whole drama with Nate Bjorkman in, in the last few weeks where uh, uh, I, I believe the player was Gogo Bizzotti. Is that his name? I, yeah. I believe so. I don't want to misquote and say that it that it was, but I be, I think it was. Uh, an, an Indiana player, uh, you know, he uh, called like he got told off by an assistant of Nate Bjorkins, you know, and uh, then that player then proceeded to stare at that assistant and say, "Sit the fuck down," uh, <laughs> and then that led to a whole you know locker room blow up, and then stories started coming out how Nate Bjorkin has lost the locker room in Indiana. And that's kind of just the narrative, you know, the cloud hanging over the team ever since. So I am notorious for saying that I don't like it when coaches get fired after one year. I think it's not right and it's not fair. But if you're losing the locker room after one season and players don't want to play for you and it's going to deter people from coming to Indiana, then I think it's time to move on. Now, with that said, Mike D'Antoni's not a head coach right now and neither is Kenny Atkinson. Both of them are going to be available. Or at least they should be. I, th- I think uh, is, is Kenny went to, where did he go again? I, I know uh, Tony's with Brooklyn. He's in the Clippers. He was top, he's the top assistant for Tyron Lue with the Clippers. Guarantee, whichever one of those two, because I, I feel like I'll get to this in a little bit. I think those are very much two title contenders. I think whatever one of those two actually either uh, makes it to the finals or wins, that one of those assistants is going to be highly recruited. Yeah, I'm shocked that Atkinson was not as recruited as he was last last year. No, should have been head coach. I'm sorry. Obviously, now I'm super. I'm, I'm thrilled with you know Tibbs as our coach. You know, for the next, but you know, back in the summer last year, I I very much wanted Atkinson. I I loved what he did with Brooklyn that rebuild. I thought he was exactly what we needed. But you know, it worked out. So let's talk about the other playing games over in the West. Let's start with Spurs Grizzlies before we get to the main event, the main attraction. 
Uh, Grizzlies end up getting the win 100 to 96. And this going to be real. This is a good game. Good back and forth. I was impressed. Yeah, like uh, the Spurs, you know, despite like, uh, you know, the Mars' best uh, efforts, you know, he like had a very poor shooting game. They were able to keep it close very much throughout the entire game. And, you know, no one really stepped up, you know, for the Grizzlies except, uh, you know, Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks, you know, quiet game for John Morant. I'm looking at Valanciunas right now. 23 rebounds, 23 points. Yeah. That's what you want in the center. And you know what? I will say this. The Grizzlies won that Marcus Saul trade by getting Valanciunas. Valanciunas is a great player. He's exactly what the, uh, the Grizzlies needed. 20 points from Morant. We'll see what he can do because this is getting recorded before Warriors-Grizzlies. Uh, that's set to kick off or tip off in like two and a half hours. Um, a little spoiler alert as to you know, who won the other game. Um, for Indiana, uh, Indiana, San Antonio, triple-double for DeJounte Murray. Uh, Jakob Quetel, 10 points and 20 points for DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay each. I forgot about Rudy Gay. <laughs> I really did. I, I, I really think uh, as far as, you know, San Antonio goes, that roster is going to look completely different next year. I think DeMar is gone. I think Gay's – I think we're going to see kind of almost like a purging of, you know, the old – like a, for the team, so to speak. You know, they're going to really focus on that young core they have, try and see what they have because this – you know what purgatory that they're in of, you know, getting the 10th seed every year. It's, it's not what you want to be. It's the worst really position you can be in the NBA picking like this high in the lottery or I guess low in the lottery every year. I was doing some research. I think this is only the Spurs seventh time they've missed the playoffs. How consistent this team's been. It's, it's all pop too. You know, like I gave him credit for, you know, Getting to them, uh, getting them to the play-in with the roster that they had over teams like the Pelicans, and, uh, you know, the Kings. It's a, uh, you know, it's something to be, you know, uh, said about like how he did that. It's just amazing. You know, and we talked about this last episode that I was disappointed in Sacramento and I was disappointed in New Orleans for not making the play-in. Uh, it's Popovich. I said it's Popovich, and you're going to see Pop come back next year. Don't worry, you know. I don't think there's going to be any retirement rumors for Greg Popovich, but you're going to see a younger San Antonio team. Again, we'll see what happens with the draft. We'll see what happens in free agency. Anything could really skew the needle one way or the other. And then we get to the big one, the big one, Lakers Warriors. Um, The game that had the highest rating on ESPN since 2019. You think the playing tournament's here to stay? they got some really good ratings for this game. 5.9 million viewers reportedly tuned in to see LeBron James and Steph Curry go at it. And this was close. This was really, really close for a lot of this game. The Warriors had a 20-point lead at one point. The Lakers were able to cut back and managed to keep it close. Couldn't really take the lead until the fourth. And then it was just shot for shot. Curry, LeBron, AD, all of the gang is teaming up. You know, uh, Poole's getting in there for a little bit. Uh, Wiggins is in there for a bit. But it was tied 100 with 130 seconds to go. And LeBron James with one eye, depending on who you ask, uh, you know, had hand over his eye, everything, just shucks it over Steph Curry. And by the act of God, it goes in the net. Lakers 103, Warriors 100. Lakers Suns in the first round of the NBA playoffs. First off, let me just say, 
what a game. Like, I, as far as, you know, hyped up games, you know, that, you know, are getting actually, you know, media attention, these never really pan out in the NBA, especially lately with how uh, load management focused everything's become. You see all these hyped up primetime matchups. And like, uh, for example, I think the Lakers matchup against the Sixers, I think uh, this year, I think you guys were missing someone or uh, I think we're, they were missing someone. I yeah. Don't, the point is when these teams are you know missing when the stars aren't playing it's just disappointing you know it makes for not good tv but this was a matchup that absolutely lived up to the hype in every sense of the word it had it all steph going off lebron you know his club being clutch in the fourth quarter draymond doing draymond things (laughs) draymond this is a classic draymond green 101 and we were watching this game together and at the, at the end of the third, there was one play that has to stand out to me. And I really, you know, we laugh. But looking back, he makes the shot. We're going in overtime, and it's a completely different game. It's very true. Draymond Green, I mean, he has all day. All day. Just takes a three, and it goes off the backboard and misses the net. He makes that. We're in overtime. Also, you got to point out that it was there was literally four yellow jerseys covering like Steph Curry on that. <laughs> then he passes to Draymond. He's like all alone. Draymond's on an island, right b- behind the arc, and Curry's in front of the net. And I mean, he was swarmed by Lakers. <laughs> Draymond's the only one there. Bricks a shot. <laughs> on an I island mean, in the Pacific, man. <laughs> come on. Uh, anyway, the Lakers are taking on the Suns in the first round of the NBA playoff. A great game, really a fun game, and Warriors-Grizzlies, that's tonight at 9 o'clock. I will be tuning into that because I think that's going to be a fun game. But let's do, uh, let's do a little bit of playoff picks. Um, I can't really do the Jazz versus either the Warriors or the Grizzlies because, again, we don't know who Utah's playing. I still think Utah takes that series no matter who they're playing. Um, because Utah's just on another level right now. I will I will touch on like the, the hypotheticals of that real quick. I yeah. think Adam Silver very much is hoping that Golden State wins this tonight, just because no one is gonna tune into a Utah Memphis Grizzlies first round series. They'll tune into Steph Curry, you know, for the underdog, you know, on the on the chance that he pulls off like a miracle run, but no one's gonna watch a Grizzlies jazz series. I just wanted to say that. How happy do you think he was that it was Lakers Warriors in the play-in? Oh, Silver? Oh, I, I imagine he like kind of you know, did a little squeal of excitement like after he saw that the Lakers had fallen the seventh. Shout out to Adam Silver, by the way, for thinking that there's going to be full, uh, full crowds for the NBA Finals. I would love to see that. Um, you know, hope. Brooklyn, that might be a little tough to get a full crowd, but that's not oh. related. Um. <laughs> So, anyway, I think Utah takes whoever it is, Memphis, Golden State. I don't think that's that's much of a debate. Um, Suns-Lakers. Oh, boy. Now, now that is a debate to be had. Now we can talk, my friend. All right, so let's break it down. Uh, Let me get get the team's records also so we can do that. Yes. By the way, I I will take the over for the number of times that uh, the broadcast mentions that Chris Paul and LeBron James are good friends. And also how this is the first time they've matched up against each other in the playoffs. In the playoffs. So they're going to mention that at least yeah. twice the broadcast. You know. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, again, Chris Paul's never been in the East. 
You know, he's always – he's exclusively a Western Conference player. And LeBron just recently coming over to the West, you know, again, Chris Paul's never been to the NBA Finals. There's this, that, and the other thing. There's a whole debate over Chris Paul. But this is the first time they're matching up against each other in the playoffs. This is also Devin Booker's first playoff series. Yeah. Um, after a couple of truly awful years in Phoenix – not for Booker, just for the team as a whole. Um, they're the number two seed. Lakers are the seven. And I will go with um, – I'll go with the Lakers in seven. I will take the Lakers here. Uh, I Like, listen, it, it, it physically pains me to have to agree with that just because this, like, really felt – like it could – at a certain point this year, it really felt like it could be Phoenix's year just because it kind of had – that team has the makings of – Something special, you know. Chris Paul really has, you know, and also Monty Williams got to get credit where credits due. Have really, you know, has changed that, you know, uh, franchise's, you know, culture, and they've just become a winning franchise. And this is the first time in over, I believe, was it ten years since they made the playoffs? It's it's been a while. It has been a while it's, in the valley. And just for them to be like to have this year like this, where they get the two seed, they were one game out. If if Utah lost that last game of the season. Phoenix would have the one seed. They wouldn't have to be worried worried about this. They'd be playing Golden State, but I still take Phoenix in that series. But to have to go against LeBron and AD, that team should not be a seventh seed. I'm sorry. Just So for the Utah series, how many games do you have that series going, or does it depend on who wins tonight? Uh, I mean, I don't want to count out Steph, but I'd probably say five games, honestly. I'll give him one. I, yeah. you, you and me are par for par right now. Utah and five for me as well. Uh, let's get to the three and the six in the Western. Yeah, yeah in the Western yeah. Conference. The number three seeded Los Angeles Clippers, led by Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, taking oh. on the Dallas. Actually, you, get, yep. you actually got your uh, wires a bit crossed. That's uh, the nugget. Oh, that's the four and the five? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, no wow. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, like a. Correct. Uh, Nuggets will be hosting as a three seed. I, uh, the Clippers had the three for half the year too. It's a tie. Uh, it's a tiebreaker too. That's the only reason. The tiebreaker, and it got me all confused. Uh, the three seed Denver Nuggets versus the six seed of Portland Trailblazers. A rematch from uh, the second round a couple years ago. A rematch. Seven. Yes. Yes. You got. This was a fun series the first time. It this was. is a really good series. Probably one of the better second-round series, and you're not going to hear people say that because it's Denver and Portland. But Game no 7 <laughs> a couple of years ago was wild. However, I like Denver in six here. Uh, Den- they're just such a well-rounded team, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they brought in Aaron Gordon at the deadline. He's been hit or miss, but right now it's all about Michael Porter Jr. It's all about Jamal Murray. I love what I'm seeing in Denver, Nuggets and Sex. Yeah, man. Uh, can't overlook – like, for me, the playoffs usually revolve around one thing, and that's also why I picked the Lakers uh, against the Suns. The best – the team with the best player usually wins, and Jokic is the MVP of the league. Dave is obviously a top-10 player. That goes without saying. But Jokic has made that – just carry that team all year, and – you know, through the loss of Will Barton, through the loss of Jamal Murray, they just keep chugging along. And that's because he's the engine behind it. And also Michael Porter Jr., as you said, has come on huge. Uh, give me Denver in six. Yeah, I really like what it, what's going on in Denver. And I agree with you that I think um, Jokic is MVP. 
And this is coming from a fan of a team who has a player in the MVP race in Joel Embiid. And you all can't see this, but Eric is wearing an Embiid jersey right I now. I am. I am. Washington, we're ready. We are ready, Washington. We're ready. We're coming no. for you. <laughs> now we get to the four and the five, the LA Clippers, led by Kawhi Leonard and pandemic playoff Paul George taking on the five-seeded Dallas Mavericks, led by Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, yeah. Another rematch we got here. Another rematch. Uh, fun series I'm looking forward to because I love it when Luka goes up against the Stars. Okay, Luka's my favorite player right now in basketball. I'll say it. He's exactly what the NBA needed when he was drafted. They needed a new foreign face upon the retirement of Dirk Nowitzki. Luka's that, and it's coincidentally went to the same team that Dirk Nowitzki was on. However, Clippers in six. Because he, Kawhi Leonard, when, he, when he's in the playoffs, next level. Yep. Paul George, I've yet to see it, but it's next level. Supposedly, you know, we've heard, all oh, pandemic P, pandemic P. Can he rewrite the narrative? That's the important thing. Can he rewrite the narrative? I don't know if he can, but, and I've said this before, teams do better when there's no pressure on them. Last year, the pressure on the Los Angeles Clippers was massive. We saw their collapse live on Too Many Men when they lost to Denver. We recorded that like while the game was going on. That's right. We recorded that as the game was taking place. And Tony was seeing dollar bills as the game was taking place. And the Clippers, after that loss, were riled. They were shook by that loss. Fired Doc Rivers. In comes Tyron Lue. Nobody's really talking about the Clippers as a threat now. That's how they like it, I think. I think that's how they want it, and I think that's how the team's going to do really well. So give me Clippers and six here. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm inclined to definitely agree with you here. Like, uh, like you said, uh, the Clippers are a team that's at a ton of expectations that they crumbled under clearly last year, and – but this, this year seems a little bit different. They've flown under the radar. They've uh, quietly had one of the best offensive seasons in NBA history, if you look at the advanced stats. And this is why they've been load managing for, dude. This is why Kawhi rests every other back-to-back and why Paul George has been doing the same. It's all for the playoffs. The playoffs are a whole different game than the regular season, and the Clippers were able to be the three seed most of the year while doing that. So give me the Clippers. How many games? Uh... Now, I'm inclined to say six games. I know Luca does have Porzingis this time around, and he took him to six games without him last year. So I don't know. Could be. Also, got to remember playoff Rondo. Clippers have playoff Rondo. Yeah, we also can't forget playoff Rondo is. I think that's. I mean, I'll talk more about the Clippers as we go on, but like the Clippers yeah. have really good feeling about them this year. We're good. we're definitely going to talk more about the Clippers and the rest of the NBA uh, Tuesday after all the guys uh, do indeed come back. Yep. Move to the East. The one-seeded Philadelphia 76ers, my beloved Philadelphia 76ers, for the first time since 2001, are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They are taking on the eighth seed of Washington Wizards, who we've already mentioned have won two playing games to get to this point. Or one, one, lost one. You get it. Um, I'm setting my bar low here. I really am. I, I am expecting 
It's just disappointment in this year's playoffs. I would like a win over Washington. I, please, just get me at least to the conference finals. Give me the Sixers in five. Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry. It's a great core four. I love it. I love what I'm seeing out of this Philadelphia group. This is the most talented Sixers group that I've seen since I've become an NBA fan. And I mean that. Give me Philadelphia in five. Yeah. I, I think I'm a little bit more confident on your team than you. I'm gonna, I, I have them sweeping them. I have them bringing up the brooms here. I, that You're Washington, the best. Thank you, John. Listen, man, I think that Washington team has problems beyond the roster, and it all comes to one man, and his name is Scott Brooks. And, yeah, man, listen, Doc, River, like, listen, Doc Rivers ain't exactly Popovich here, but he's going to coach circles around that dude, okay? Like... The, the motive in Philadelphia has been the same thing the entire season. The regular season's great, but we need results come playoff time. Yep. This is when the Philadelphia 76ers need to show results. Okay, this is why Brett Brown was let go and Doc Rivers was brought in. The Sixers got the one seed, number one, because of talent, and the talent was able to stay healthy. By the way, out of all the injuries that have occurred over the NBA, who would have thought the 76ers would be the team that would stay healthy? And number two, Stock Rivers. I was scared of Doc Rivers higher at first because of the playoff resume. He's taken my team to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and hopefully an NBA championship. Right now, last, last time I read, it was a couple days ago, Philadelphia was tied for the best odds to win the title. Knock on wood, that happens. The Brooklyn Nets... Oh, you were going to say something? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm just like, I'm a little kind of ties into what you're about to say, but as long as it's not Brooklyn, that's cool with me. <laughs> but for every other Sixers. Uh, speaking of the much beloved Brooklyn Nets, the two seeded Brooklyn Nets are taking on the seven seeded Boston Celtics. Uh, man, if this was five years ago, <sighs> the drama. Oh, man. Could you imagine? Give me Brooklyn in five. Um, I do think the Celtics win a game. I think I really like Jason Tatum. I think he has the ability to control a game. You saw that in the play-in game against Washington. I don't think he can beat Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden in a seven-game series. I think he can take one or two games. I'm leaning one, hopefully two, but I'm going Brooklyn in five here. Yeah, I uh... – I think you got you got a good read on that. I think you know Boston finished season you know just at five hundred thirty six and thirty six. That's a team that you know when Tatum you know uh, you know does what he does you know he goes off all the time. He had fifty points actually uh, in the last two weeks of the season. You know two separate you know multiple games. It's he's on he's on a different on a different level right now. He's nuts. So you have Nets. How many games do you have Brooklyn winning? Yeah, I'll say five. I'll say five. Nets and five. This is because you, you can't discount that one game where Tatum goes absolutely off, you know, carries him in a win. By the way, I just want to shout this out there. I know the Lakers are the seventh seed. I know the Raptors missed the playoffs. But in my opinion, Boston was the most disappointing team in the NBA this year. Awesome. I, more. I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's tied between them or Indiana for sure. Yeah, I never had high hopes for Indiana to begin with. Um especially after the way they faltered out of last year's playoffs. Boston, I thought, was going to be a top three seed. 
I mean, they were last year, right? So They were. Everybody was singing the praise of Brad Stevens and how great of a job he was doing. Now his job was rumored to be on the hot seat, but Adrian Wojnarowski came out and said, that's not really the case, uh, that he's not really as much on the hot seat as some of the other coaches in the NBA. So both of us have Brooklyn in five. Yep. The three-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, this is a good one. The six-seeded Miami Heat. In my opinion, the best first round of this year's playoffs. You can make an argument for either one of these teams. Again, you want to talk about pressure? There is a huge amount of pressure on the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, that's insane. I mean, Matt, let's, let's, let's just talk about how intense this would be if this was another series and Giannis still had inside going into the season. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> Especially considering Miami was at one point the favorite to, for his services. Yeah. It would, be, it would be insane. Luckily, at least, you know, they don't, they don't have that in the back of their heads to worry about. But, you know, the future is, you know, they, they do need to start winning some games, some playoff series yeah. with the guy, you know, at a certain point. You know, get him to the finals. So you sent me this a couple of minutes before we actually start recording. You know more about the story than I do. Yeah. What's the deal with Jimmy Butler? And the story so, that's going on there. Because yeah, that was yeah. that broke the other day. Yeah, so we recently got a story that just broke, I think, today from Sh- uh, Sharania on a stadium, you know, live on TV. And apparently uh, he's reporting that Jimmy Butler has had some, you know, it's almost like a little minor arguments with coaches and, you know, like the rest of the team throughout the season. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. But what is interesting is how Jimmy Butler's agent chose to respond <laughs> to this. Let me uh, see if I can get the tweet up real quick. Okay. Yeah, here it is. It's, it's a doozy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a doozy, everyone. So, you know, buckle up, all right? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, you clickbait. Oh, this, also, this is addressed to Sham Stradia, just uh, so y'all know. Direct to Shams. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, you clickbait, ambulance-chasing, dirtbag piece of shit. No one has told you this because this is not reality. Go find someone's assistant to text about an MRI or some other human calamity that you want to be first on. We are good over here. That's it. From the agent of Jimmy Butler. First of all, Jesus H. Christ. What the hell? Like, my first thoughts reading that are, okay, this guy is mad. And then I think... Okay, the reason, the fact that this guy is this mad makes me think that there's some truth to this because no one just gets this mad over, you know, media bullshit. You know what I'm talking about? Like, He's defending himself so strong here. So anyway, after yeah, like, all of that, we get Milwaukee and Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton versus the Miami Heat with Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Harrow and company. Yep. Uh, is Dragic healthy still? I believe Dra- I believe Dragic's playing. I believe he is. Could be wrong though. I'm gonna double check that. Yeah. But right now, as of as of May 21st, give me Miami in six. I will take Miami in this series, and it's gonna eat the Milwaukee Bucks alive. I, wa- I want to see playoff results in Milwaukee. I really do. For Giannis's sake and for the fans' sake, this is not the first-round matchup they wanted by any means. 
I think they wanted that two seed, and I think they wanted to avoid Miami at any cost. But now they're going up against a red-hot Jimmy Butler and a red-hot Miami Heat team that is peaking at just the right time, kind of like last year's team. Give me Miami in six. See, this is a tough one for me to pick because you got to go between, like, you know, what, like, who I want to win, you know, personally, and who I actually think is going to win. I, Giannis is one of my favorite players in the league. I like, you know, I, I when I hate, I hate, you know, whenever the Knicks go up against him, he's one of the worst, you know, he's, cause he's so good, but he's just one, he's a class act. He's so likable, so charismatic, but I really think that Miami has the better. I think this also comes down to who, you know, Spolster has the best, a better coach than Budenholzer. And we saw that last year, he coached circles around him. And Budenholzer still has the same problems that he's had the past few years with the Bucks, and he's been showing those weaknesses all year. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Miami, but seven games, I think this will be. I think this is going to be a dogfight. Budenholzer reminds me a lot of Doc Rivers. He's a coach that can get you to the conference finals, but taking that next step up might need a little bit of extra work. Yep. And then we save the best for last, or supposedly the best for last. The number four seed in New York Knicks versus the number five seed Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Hawks winning the Southeast uh, for the first time since 2015, I believe, maybe 2016. Uh, taking on the Knicks, who are in their first playoff appearance since 2013 and led by the runaway favorite for most improved player in Julius Randle. This is another series I could see going either way. I could see this being a Knicks four-game sweep. I could see it being a Hawks four-game sweep. I could see it being Knicks in seven. I could see it being Hawks in seven. I think Trey Young's your big X factor here. Mm-hmm. What can he do in his first playoff appearance? And it's been years that I've said, I have faith in Atlanta. I have faith in the Hawks. This is the year for the Hawks to make the playoffs. And very quietly, this, after three years of me saying it, this was the year that they finally broke through and that is all because of Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan has taken the Hawks to a new level. We were talking very early in this podcast about Nate McMillan and whether or not the Indiana Pacers made a bad decision in firing him. I believe that they did. His record since becoming head coach of Atlanta is phenomenal. However, Tom Thibodeau has taken the Knicks to completely new levels. The Knicks weren't even to make, projected to make the playoffs. They made it as the four seed. This is a series I could see going either way but I will appease to the masses and say, give me Knicks in seven. It's going to be close though. And I could see this being literally a, a one possession game coming down to game seven. And it all comes down to one shot. I really could I, I go with Knicks in seven. Yeah, I'm not going to like, you know, I'm wearing my Knicks hoodie for, uh, but no one can see that because we know the, the podcast, but you you have a visual representation of yeah. what we're what we're getting. Yeah. You, you you won't get how much of a homer I am. But listen, I'm gonna turn that off for a minute. You know, be a little bit objective here about the series. And this is gonna be a. I really think it's gonna be a good series. I think this has the potential to be the first, best matchup of the first round, just because it's two teams that are absolute underdogs. No one had them labeled to going this far. You know, going through the season, and against all expectations, the Knicks are back in the playoffs. And we're hosting, we're, and we're the four seed. We're hosting like a, you know, Atlanta for the first two games. It's insane. And yeah, I honestly think that the Knicks are going to take this in six games. But 
Atlanta, I'm concerned about two players. Like you said, Trey Young, but most importantly, I mean, not most importantly, but Clint Capella as well. And he outworked us on the boards in every matchup this year. And, you know, Noel is, you know, I think he should be all defensive second team. He traditionally struggles on the boards, and that's going to be one of the matchups to watch in the series, as well as how we can actually – who's going to guard Trey Young? I heard Thibodeau says uh, Frank Nicolina is going uh, to be getting some run. You know, uh, he's – traditionally, he's not really there offensively, but defense, that's his kind of strong suit. So we'll see, we'll see how he does. But this is going to be a dogfight of a series. I'm going to say Knicks in seven. You're saying Knicks in seven or Knicks in six? I, want, I decided seven, seven. So you've decided to, after, after talking aloud, to give Trey Young and crew one more game. I talked myself into it after I, met, after I talked about Capella and how scared I am of him. <laughs> All right. So uh, your NBA playoff predictions from the crew. I, both of us have Utah in five, Lakers in seven, Nuggets in six, Clippers in six. For the East, I have Sixers in five, Nets in five, Heat in six, Knicks in seven. John has the Sixers in four, the Nets in five, the Heat in seven, and the Knicks in seven. Before we wrap up this episode of Too Many Men, uh, let's talk about the Julio Jones trade rumors because apparently the Atlanta Falcons have confirmed that they do want to move on from Julio Jones. Some teams rumored to be in the mix are the Patriots, 49ers, and Tennessee Titans, although DeAndre Hopkins sent out a cryptic tweet earlier saying that he would be willing to rework his contract to bring Julio Jones on and that that was already talked about. Where do I see Julio Jones fitting? Man, he would be great in Tennessee. He would. Oh, man, imagine him and A.J. AJ Brown on opposite sides. That's just mm. – you're a Tennessee Titans fan. You just like, That's what you dream about at night, you know? Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. A hell of a group, if I do mm. say so myself. Where do I think he ends up going? I could see New England. I could see Miami. I could, see, I could really see any team. Uh, we were trying to speculate with J.J. Watt, and – we were all wrong and thrown for a loop as to where he was going. So I'm not going to speculate too, too much on where Julio Jones can end up on the uh, first for, for the first game of 2021. So that is going to wrap up the 170th episode of too many men. Be sure to follow us on, on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, new episodes come out every Tuesday and Friday. Check out all of our previous episodes with all five of us. Uh, when we were all in one place. Uh, we will be back Tuesday. The guys will be back from Florida. And Tony, Trish, and crew, they will make their return. So for John Gallietta, I'm Eric Johnson. We'll see you next time for another episode of Too Many Men. Thank y'all for watching. <laughs>